more scary fast speculation, the right to repair, and a genetic information hack. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter that keeps you up with everything Mac Voices is doing. From our published episodes to Chuck's other appearances to special events and more, subscribe at macvoices.com newsletter and stay fully informed so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This Mac Voices Live panel couldn't help but continue to speculate on what we might see coming out of Apple's Scary Fast event on Monday. Then we take a look at a big step in the change in Apple's right to repair policy, and we start a heated discussion about a hack of some very personal information. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. I, I, I just, <laughs> it, it, thank you. It, it points so much to a consumer machine. I, I just, I still feel, and look, maybe, maybe Wicked Fast could still apply to an iMac. Scary you know, Fast. Scary Fast, excuse me. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, you and your put, East yeah. Coasters, wicked fast. Yeah, <laughs> put a put an M three, put an M two in, or put put one of the one of the mid level to upper level M twos in, and it will be scary fast to to uh, a home consumer or a small office consumer or whatever. So, I I, I mean maybe we're over. The only thing oh I know what I got my point back. The only thing I will <laughs> remind everyone about was that the first M ones were not introduced in a in one of the bigger machines they were introduced was it I'm pretty sure in an air was it the air or just the, oh, the, it was three machines it was the yeah, air mini. 13 and mini all at the same time mm-hmm. so you know who knows we're going to move on from this just because we're we're all speculating because we like to do it um and by the time this goes out no, probably not. I'm going to try to get this one out faster. Um, but by the time we reconvene next week, we will all have the answers, and then we'll be debating those. I'll Post tell you day. all about my brand new M3 Mac Mini. I Thank can't you. wait. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know what, that guy, that is one other thing that I wanted to mention, that if it is any kind of consumer-level machine, it's going to have to be available pretty darn quick, or yep. it's going to kill holiday sales. Yep, and the Mac Mini lends itself to that very well. True. Um, hey, a couple of social media notes that I think are just worth talking about. Um, Pebble, which was T2, but Pebble announced today that they're shutting down. And, you know, I mean, they had a they had a, a really uh, a really interesting conversation with the with the CEO who basically said there's just too much competition out there. I just feel like maybe they 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 said claim that T two was never supposed to be the final name, and that when they could get the Pebble.is domain, that's when they decided to change it to Pebble is. So it would be Pebble is Jeff Gannett, Pebble is Chuck Joyner, Pebble is Ben Rathick. Hmm. and the these uh, article I just threw in the show notes and into the chat um, give an exact explanation of that. And when I read that explanation, I thought, you know what? I think the marketing department was on something when they came up with this one. Yeah. So. I'm wondering, how could they have not anticipated that 
basically a month after doing a rebranding, they would be shutting down. Why, why even bother with uh, rebranding as Pebble at that point? Because it's not like that was going to suddenly goose the business and start yeah. bringing in the revenue. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to bring know. in the revenue. Left hand doesn't to, know what the right hand's doing. Just had to bring in investors. Yeah, I mean, and then they, they take the money and they run. Well, their rate of expansion was so slow. I mean, because they they, they did not, they were restricting invitations uh, even more so than Blue Sky. Uh, you, I mean, you had a hard time getting on. Then once you were there, the user base was pathetically small. And 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 listen, it was not a bad service. I mean, each one of these Twitter clones or Twitter replacements or whatever have little annoyances of one kind or another. But for the most part, they kind of look and act the same. But I just feel like they they completely lost any branding they had when they rebranded. And the only people that seemed to know that they rebranded were the existing users. Everybody else was kind of clueless. Yeah. I mean, plus they never bothered to put out an app. Right. That's a good point, Fed. So just something to note that if you were uh, following any of us on Pebble, um, you're going to have to find us somewhere else. So sorry about that. Well, to be fair, the, uh, the, the downloads that people are doing for their archives, it probably consists mostly of, okay, I'm on this social platform now, and that's it. Yeah, but Jeff, you bring up a good point. Uh, at least they are going out in, um, in in a controlled fashion and with a, with a bit of class that they're giving you the option to download your, I don't even think they weren't tweets anymore. What I guess they were pebbles. Um, but you know that, that you can download that if uh, your archive if you want it in a pretty reasonably easy fashion. So good job on that one, guys. Sorry it didn't work out. Honestly, uh, there were so many similar networks that popped up. Uh, one, two, or more of them going under was an inevitability. And I think so, this will be the last time we have this conversation, Ben. Yeah, this won't be the last. Yeah. And it, it may help some of the others too that are smaller. Those yeah. those users are going to want to maybe gravitate towards another small, smallish user base. Or it might hurt them because people will be like, oh yeah, no point in you know investing my energy in a doomed enterprise. It's true too. Yeah. Glass half full, glass half half empty. But someone's got to clean it. um the other one i would just want to make note of i know we could we could do an hour on this one um is that uh x is going to start charging uh this is a this is a test thing um but they're going to start charging users new users a dollar a year to be able to post messages if you already are on doesn't affect you if you're not I, i think it's um it's it's New Zealand and I forget what what the other one is. Philippines, Philippines. I think. Philippines. Philippines. Yeah, very very limited locations. Uh, so this is allegedly a test, but at to, and and I think what would they call the no bot test or something like that. The, the idea is that you can't just create free X accounts and then blast things out via a bot. That you that dollar transaction will cut down on that. We'll see. 
Ben, since since you're a gaming pro, do you want to shoot that down, or should I? Uh, nope. You can go ahead, Jeff. All right, we 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 have several online uh, game MMOs that tried doing the hey you have to pay to uh, to be able to uh, uh, post comments, and what they all found is that making people pay did absolutely nothing to stop the bots. Yeah, and the other thing here, I mean, you have the. I mean, with, uh, what are they calling it, X Plus these days, the subscription model, uh, you can tell by the blue check marks, the vast majority of businesses uh, did not want to pay. Uh, so you get rid, even with that dollar, I think you're going to see uh, X's growth uh, completely tail off if they then proceed to charge everybody a dollar. I think that's the end of the platform. That's been said a lot. We've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm especially interested in your thoughts because you and I are the two who have not, well, I shouldn't speak for you. I have not written off Twitter. Uh, I have not either. Excuse me. So, so what, are your, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? Is this really just a good little test? And does it mean anything? Um, you know, there, there's a phrase that sometimes you want to try to fail forward. Um, so maybe they're, they're trying this. You know, I think one of the things we're trying to do is not keep good people out, but try to keep the the bots or whatever, you know, the, those those negative influences, try to keep them out. Um, um, I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, um, let, let me answer it this way. Am I going to spend a buck on it? Not tomorrow. Um, does that mean that I never will? Yeah, we'll see. Um, but uh, right now, I don't plan on doing it. But you know, I, I'm, my social media skill set is so weak for both personal and professional reasons. I got to be careful uh, in my world that I can't be making anything that can be construed as a forward-looking statement professionally, because that can get me in big trouble. Um, and even though I might not mean it that way if it's construed that way i'm still in big troubles but that's a whole different realm um uh the other thing is that i really just don't have the time quite honestly uh th this this is my joy of the week to come in here and do this so i don't have to do all my other business stuff throughout the week so yeah you know i'll it'll see where it goes i don't know if i'm quite agree with ben that if they put this uh uh, system-wide it's going to kill the platform yeah maybe maybe not um i don't know if i i quite go that far is it going to have an impact sure it will sure it will um uh i think they're trying to do lots of different things and they're trying to see what sticks there's there's my thoughts on it yeah i i don't the, think the, the problem with be... that is a, there's okay. no they it's elon yeah no i don't buy that at all no. i'm sorry i don't <laughs> I don't. Elon you think someone other than Elon came up with this? Um, you think Elon's the only one who came up with this? Yes. You're naive. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not the way a CEO would work, and that's not the way he, he really works. I mean, read the Isaacson book. I mean, um, he, he'll try lots of different <clears throat> things. 
Um, but I think that there are also a lot of other really smart people that are around him too, that are trying lots of different things to see where it goes. I, mean, I, re so I read far. Isaacson's Job's book, Job's book, and it was so full of stuff that I knew was wrong. I won't read any more of his books. So whatever he says in that book, I, I don't, I need another source. If so, I've, I've, we don't want to do a book review here, but I've, yeah. I've, I've read uh, Isaacson's book and if cut it by half, if 50% of what he says is accurate, then I think there's still a, a decent explanation for the way Musk thinks and, you know, the, the way that he drives his teams to try to accomplish things. And so I, I think it's worth the read myself, but that's another discussion. Um, but I, I, I'm with I'm with Webb. You know, I don't I don't think that this is just something like this. If if he had if it had been thrown out across the board, I'd have said, yeah, maybe so. But I don't think so. It's all interesting. I would say at the bottom of that story, there is something about um, one of the things that was mentioned in that Isaacson biography was that uh, Musk really wants you know, having that credit card and billing information of its users. And, you know, this is just one of those ways, in addition to just, you know, the getting rid of the bots or trying to curtail them a little bit. But, you know, if you have your credit card billing information stored on there, it's a way that, you know, they open it up to different services that, you know, whether it's storefronts or whatever, you know, that encourage more sales and more revenue. I think that's a really good point, Brian. Yeah, how, uh, how many times uh, have we said that about Apple? That, you know, they have our credit card numbers. Mm -hmm. Not that they're going to miss you. Well, they gave us but... the credit card number. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, we fought I, for uh, a credit card number. <laughs> I, I think Brian uh, nailed an important topic or point there. And, uh, and, and I think getting uh, the card information, financial information from users is very important for Elon. As this whole uh, Twitter into X thing has been playing out, um, a lot of what's happening feels to me like Elon is going back to what he really wanted um, before uh, the, the merger with PayPal happened, where he wanted a company called X that was uh, an all-encompassing financial thing. And the, and they were in that they were in the same building that the PayPal people were in, and uh, and realized oh, we're kind of competing. These people have the thing that actually does something. Let's let's merge with them, and then PayPal became a thing. But Elon never ever wanted to uh, to just have it be a PayPal thing. He always wanted to have the X company and he wanted it to be the all-in-one financial thing for everyone. And it, it's like so many of the things that he's he's picking at and, and trying to do, it, it's like he's trying to to morph a social media platform into this other thing that he wanted all along, but uh, but was denied. Jeff, have you read the Isaacson book? No, okay. I I have issues with Isaacson that uh, that there's no need for us to go into here. It's, okay. I, I I can summarize my Isaacson thing by uh, by saying 
if you want to violate Geneva Conventions, please make me read his books. I just, I don't like his style. I, I ask only for one reason, and that is that you just came to the conc a conclusion that I came to after reading the book, that that um, Musk has certain, has two or three major life objectives, if you will. And mm -hmm. what you just described seems to be one of them. And so he seems to be circling, trying to figure out a way to do that through various channels, various means, various companies. Take it for what it's uh, worth. Um, I will say this. Uh, that might be his goals, his goal. Uh, but that goal requires uh, large amounts of people being able to trust them. Over the last couple of years, uh, his, he has done a lot of things to erode that trust with a lot of people to the point where Apple might actually be able to fulfill that vision more than Musk can. Maybe so, Ben. Maybe so. Um, ben, you were, you were the one that kept throwing things in the Slack this afternoon that pushed all the other things down, but I want to throw this one in just to see what the, the group thinks. Um, Pad and Quill is shutting down the makers of fine leather accessories for tech, among other things. Any any particular thoughts on this? Uh, the, the company CEO said they just face headwinds that are too strong, and so they're shutting the company down. Does this have anything to do with uh, the fine woven? No. <laughs> no. No. I, I want to see who would crack first. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> uh, I held out as long as I could, Chuck. <laughs> All right, Chuck, here, here, here's my uh my my hypothesis on this. Um the uh the high-end market for for case accessories is not what it once was. And uh, and there are so many knockoffs that you can get now that or or not even knockoffs, but good products that you can get that are being sold at a lower price point, lower than than Pinnacle could actually uh, sustain. Mm -hmm. That uh, they they were competed out of the market. Which is sad because uh, they make great stuff. I I have uh, mm -hmm. um, a couple of things stashed around here right now, um, re a really great uh, laptop sleeve, and I think something else. But yeah, they do good stuff. Did good stuff. Yeah, I have to agree with Jeff. Well, there you go. Drop the mic. Let's end the show. Yeah. It's been great being here, everyone. <laughs> See you at the bar. Um, it is worth noting that uh, they are having a pretty significant sale. So if you want to get in on it, um, you know, go because I don't know how long it'll last. Meaning the supplies will last. But a, lo a lot of stuff is already out of stock. Has it? Okay. Yeah, I, I looked yeah. this afternoon. I mean, I was not in the market. And I, I, Jeff, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I've often looked at some of these high end luxury goods for my iPhone and think, okay, why? why? Yeah, my iPhone doesn't need a luxury good. It needs protection and it needs to be something functional. But but which, Dave again, gave me know. Dave gave me a clear case and a blue case that I've been using with my 13. And that was two, three years ago, Dave. Yeah. 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 
still using them still great pretty much stuck on the uh the clear one and that's you know that's kind of the point if you're buying an iphone based on a particular color why would you buy a case that's going to cover the color exactly so just get one that protects it and they're cheap as hell and then you know don't worry about it if somebody else looks at it and says oh you you don't have the leather case you say well you know what here's here's the thing kiss my ass okay <laughs> you're, you're fine green leather ass how do you yeah, really yeah. feel this guy? Well, just I I just don't I just and it's the same kind of thing. You see things like like the the luxury Apple Watch bands, which I guess is probably more in line with with that kind of luxury good. But they even have luxury um uh what do you call them? The uh, air tags. Air tags. They have luxury air tag leather little thingies for them. It's like just stop it. Who who in their right mind is going to buy something that costs more than the thing that you're covering it with. Why? Yeah. And I, yeah, I said that with a wine. Yeah. Yeah, at least I yeah, on our tax bracket. Yeah, maybe in Webb's tax bracket. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> Eric, I, I see you down there. You're just dying to get into this. Okay. There are two reasons. I'm not saying they're good. There are two reasons that I might or might not have used for getting a case that did not match the color of the phone. One is when you really want the phone, it's back order, you can't get any, you walk into an Apple store and, and they say, nope, we don't have any, but go, well, yeah, I guess we do. We have this one color that came in and you say, I don't care as long as the capacity and the size and whatever matches what I'm looking for, I will take, I don't care what the color is. But give me that case over there because that's the color I wanted, slap it on and then I'm good. The other one is for a while I was buying product red cases to slap on whatever color phone I had because half the time I can't see the color anyway, so it didn't really matter. I can't see the product red color either, but <laughs> I slapped the two together and you know I was, I was good with it. I didn't say it was a good reason, but I, good. I have to admit I have done it. Well, I mean, there there are there are iPhone cases and iPad cases and cases to fit every single device that Apple mm -hmm. sells that sell for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And again, yeah. a lot of times either nearly equaling or exceeding the cost of the device itself. And it makes no sense. It's it's like you're you're buying bling to cover up the phone that you want people to be impressed by. Okay do that then. And and the bling is slippery. So when you set it on the top of the car and then, you know, it's a little damp or whatever and you just whack, it slides right off, shatters on the pavement and you have a lot less bling on the case. They, they don't take they don't take their cars out in the rain. That's why they live in California. That's a car not moving. It's just tilted on a hill, you know. It's so you I, know I, for for a lot of people um the uh, the case they put on their phone, their laptop, the bag they carry, all this stuff, whatever. To I them, it's the same as picking the color of phone you want, and that's what makes them super happy, and that's what they really like. And so maybe for them, the color of the phone isn't important, but the case that they're carrying it in, that's where they're getting the actual aesthetic pleasure. And... Uh, 
yes, they will spend a lot more money on a cover than I would. Um, and there's clearly a market for that, but it's not as big or as easy to be in as it once was. So now Patton Quill's going under. My, I, I sometimes question the whole luxury goods market. Um, and this That's is the fair. Time, this is the perfect time of year because you'll get catalogs that I never requested, have never bought anything from, will never buy anything from. I'll flip one open and I'll see like a $500 rich Corinthian leather uh, suitcase. I thought and, you were going to say Dodge Monaco for a second. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, carry, carry on. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I, my first thought is I've never gone through an airport and ever heard anyone say, boy, look at that luggage. That luggage looks great. I, I need to get that luggage. And then they take <laughs> it out of the airport with all your stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just doesn't happen, you know. I, Next, next issue, next situation. Um, and Ben, this one you brought you brought up, and I really didn't see much else about this until you brought it up. Um, and that is that, according to the White House, Apple is going to uh, be uh, making a big right to repair announcement. Hello, Ben. Maybe that's <laughs> what Monday's event is all about. <laughs> Scary fast repairs. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw an update on this. Let me see if I can find that. Supposed to be some most, kind of next most generation. people. Most people are not going to repair their own stuff, and it's it's ridiculous to think. And, and why Apple fought this for as long as they did, I mean, basically all they have to do is change the terms of the warranty to say, "Look, you take it to someone other than an authorized Apple." A reseller repair facility you're on your own if if they if they fry the board okay we're willing to sell you sell you a new one for seven eight hundred bucks but that's on you that's not on us and they'd yeah, be well within their rights to do so i mean consumer consumer rights don't trump negligence and purposeful destruction you put your foot through a TV set. Most stores aren't going to take that back. You know, sorry, your team lost, but you know, it's kind of on you. And I get the extended warranty. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's your size. That's your size. Well, in my case, that's, that's my size 16. That's right through the screen. Yep. Um, from what I can, I can see, uh, there was a white house event today. Um, it was touted by, um apple executive here uh sorry i'm trying to find his name again um something uh brian nauman uh the vice president of apple repair um the no uh it says apple supports a federal uniform federal law that bounces repairability with product integrity data security, usability, and physical safety. I think so, most people are better off still taking their device into a, a, an Apple repair facility and having it done there or sending it yeah. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, honestly, it's one of those things where Apple probably figured it was better to go with the flow than try to fight this. Yeah, do they thing. don't get anything really out of it. And chances are when these 
devices either break or don't work as well as they did before. Yeah. Whoever it is that has it is going to be like, okay, I give up. I'm just going to buy a new one. And so yeah, win -win. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is publicity. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there there yeah. are corners of this of the right to repair debate that it makes a significant difference to like for farm equipment, I know, and, and John Deere has been at the center of that part of it. Um, but this one, I, I've, I've always felt it was mainly because they don't want you poking around inside one of your devices and then calling them and running up their tech support costs to try to help you fix what you screwed up when you could have taken mm -hmm. it to an Apple store, gotten it fixed right, and it would have it would have cost at the bottom line Apple less to do the repair or char and charge you a little something or nothing than to you know have to go through the hoops that are going to be associated with you doing it and then and fouling it up so i don't know we'll see we'll see but it's see if we see any more in, anything else on this um looking at the clock i definitely wanted to get to this story um because this, while it's not Apple related, I think it's kind of important or interesting that hackers uh, cracked and stole the 23, 23andMe user records. Um, does this does this bother anybody? I mean, have has anybody here ever submitted their their um, what's what's the right word? Uh, I guess their DNA material to 23andMe for analysis. Yeah, I did. How do you feel about it, Guy? Does it bother you that somebody might have your DNA now? Uh, DNA now, the, the DNA information? Well, or if, if they're going to grow a clone, yeah, I guess I'd be a little bit bothered by that. Uh, I think the world would be much more bothered by it. But in me personally, it's like, what are you, you going to do with that? What, what possible benefit is it to uh, find out that I have a, uh, what's it? Oh, God. Damn it! What's the word? Um, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't like mushrooms, but I do like extra pepperoni on my pizza. Who cares? You know, there, there's really nothing that I think that is in the DNA records that is going to be financially good for anyone outside of maybe a huge pharmaceutical company. And how long would it take them to get busted for for trying to manip manipulate that kind of data? What's it going to do? What are they going to do with it? It's not, these aren't credit card details. These aren't financial. This isn't financial information. This is just ones and zeros in relationship to your genome. It's, I don't think it's important now, but the further we go into biometric data, it's something that could be identifying in the future. What, but what could they do with it? What what could the average person that that wants to buy this kind of crap, what could they do with it now? Again, it's it's it would take you know big governments. It would take um, uh, huge pharmaceutical companies. It would take all kinds of things that are all kinds of organizations that would get busted if they were obviously manipulating that kind of data. You can't, you can't just take 
because DNA, it's not like DNA is, is like just this simple little thing that you can that you can show on a calculator. This is this is like huge terabytes of data for each individual person. And it's it's almost impossible to to separate that down into anything that's less than, OK, well, you have a, a certain amount of DNA that's from this part of the world or that part of the world. And if you throw all of those people together, uh, they're they're kind of like this, but not really because your great great grandmother was Azerbaijan or or uh, uh, someone Jewish or or what have you. And it, you know, I mean, where you go with that kind of information, and how you can make it profitable, and really that's what it comes down to. How do you make something like that profitable? I just can't see how it's going to make that much of a difference. Well, maybe not today down the road yeah. maybe it will the part of the well the big issue for me with, with this is that we are talking about biometric data and that's a one-way path once it's out there it's out there yeah. and uh, and mm -hmm. and you can't pull it back in um so today it's 23 and me uh next month next year it might be another company maybe it'll be amazon because amazon is doing the whole thing with using biometric data to authenticate purchases uh or ticket uh sales uh at, at concert venues and stuff and what if that biometric data ends up getting stolen well now your handprint is no longer a uh a viable authentication tool um, and what if at some point it's uh, retinal scans get stolen? So yes, right now I'm talking what ifs, but these are very plausible scenarios. And uh, not retinal scans, not fingerprints, <laughs> not paw prints, not nothing, nothing along those lines. It's such generalized data that's limited to a, to a huge subset of people that it's, it's worthless. Yeah, but the, the point is that it's showing the vulnerability of biometric data storage. And yes, mm -hmm. today, the data that's stolen may not have much value. Maybe 10 years from now it will, who knows? But today it doesn't. But the fact that biometric data is being stored and it's there's always the possibility of it, uh, of it of it being stolen and once it's stolen it's no longer a useful biometric data for authentication or or potentially other uses that uh, that are happening today or that we don't know about yet is it even down to the individual person that submitted that dna or is it was that part of of the of the information that was stolen um, yes, information about who the DNA belonged to mm -hmm. was part of that. Like um, um, the part of it was part of the data stolen related to high profile people in the United States <clears throat> and in the EU, I think. Oh, damn. Then they have me. I know. <laughs> and see, this, this yeah, is the no. real concern, guy. They have you. Yeah. Oh, no. Next time on Mac Voices, the 23andMe hack debate heats up and should give you some things to think about. I'm Chuck Joyner. I'll see you next time on Mac Voices. Thanks for watching. 
Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.